0: Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan, additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tekovas is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots and I'm them with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, to Kovus. And they have a seasonal, limited-edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. Even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I hope you all had a great Halloween weekend, which was full of all sorts of action in combat sports coming up on today's show. I'm going to talk to you about some of it, plus I want to look ahead to UFC 281 by discussing what exactly is on the line between Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. And I'll also tell you why the small details will matter for Izzy and Piera. I'll get to all of that later in the show, but first I want to begin by talking about the fight that stole the attention of the combat sports world this weekend. All right, guys. I got a lot of thoughts on the boxing match. Um, I spoke with Chris Kamosi, and this irritated him so much. I said, "Chris, it was the best boxing match I've ever seen." And as a professional stand-up fighter, it was annoying. But hear me out. So when I talk about it was the best I've seen, uh, guys. I've truly, and I put boxing as my second sport. I got MMA and wrestling. I call them, and I got boxing as my favorite sport. I don't want to be hard on it. I'm just sharing with you. It's painfully dull. And when I say it was the best fight I've ever seen, I was into it bell to bell. My text is going off. I got friends that are into it. Jake Paul wins the first round, but he wins the first round because Anderson didn't do anything. And if you become an Anderson fan, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He's flat-footed. He's slow. He's doing nothing until he's not. And then he's got that, fo- that specific footwork, and that's when it turns on and you realize, okay, the feeling out process is done. That comes around in the second round. Well, Anderson's always hard to hit, but he starts landing combinations, eight punches. He landed one combination that was an 11-punch combination. Now, when you have combos like that, generally speaking, you don't have the power, but that's okay. Right, because now we know the strategy. We see that Anderson's strategy is to go the eight rounds, which by what he is used to, be a champion, obey the main event, and, no problem. Okay, we got it. It's a whole game as I touch you and you don't touch me. That's it. And we see that Anderson's going to do that. And I also thought it was very relevant that Paul knock him out. Just based on history of Paul, his greatest weapon is the power. Putting people down and they d- they don't get up. And I didn't think that was likely to do with Anderson. So when I tell you that I'm on the edge of my seat, right? We got one for Paul. This is pretty obvious. We got two for Anderson. This is pretty obvious. All of a sudden you get three and four and five and Paul starts coming back. And Anderson, while landing these combinations, it was very misleading what I just said a minute ago. That because he was doing volume, that because he was doing uh, massive punches in combination, that there wasn't power. There was good power. It just wasn't the emphasis. There was power. And that becomes a problem because Jake Paul walked through it all. Anderson even slipped a couple of uppercuts in there, which he doesn't do in MMA because he's not in all that tight. If you ever watched sparring footage of an- of Anderson, he's got the big gear on and the gloves. Even in his MMA career, this uppercut was a great weapon of his. But I would challenge you to tell me an MMA fight where you ever saw him throw it. Not just land it. I'm saying even throw it. Right? It was a tool that he just doesn't get to use because of the range of MMA. Boom! He slips it in. He slipped it in a couple rounds later. And we must give Paul credit for walking through them. And we must give Paul credit for everything, truly. Paul did not go in there to change his life financially, like many of us do. Paul did not go in there for fame. Paul went in there to get credit. And you can boo. I'd never tell you you can't boo. You only got two options, boo or cheer. I won't tell you who to like. But then there's a fairness. There's there's an integrity that we owe. We just do. There are certain things that we owe these athletes. And for a lot of athletes, you can dismiss it. Ah, oh, he's rich. He's famous. He's got a limo outside. He got a bunch of money. He didn't do anything for us. Okay, great. That, that's generally true. But Paul specifically is taking very big risks in a very difficult sport that requires immense amount of training just to influence your opinion. It's all he wanted And I do think that it's relevant. Now, as I tell you how much I enjoyed this match, there was even a point of the match where Ariel Helwani, who's calling the fight, began to pay props for an early grave of Jake Paul. Ariel said, not once but two separate occasions, we must respect Paul for going out there and doing this. He was moving forward, he was sweating, his hands were coming down as he was getting tired, he was still in the fight. Ariel was right. But that commentary, consciously or subconsciously, comes from an announcer, in this case, Ariel, when you want to pay a due to a guy who's about to get beat. And that's what I saw as well. Anderson was coming on. And then all of a sudden, these rounds are close. Like, even when Anderson was winning rounds, and this is on my scorecards. I, I saw it, the judges only gave him two rounds overall. On my scorecards, he was winning in the last 20 seconds. That's a big deal in MMA. In MMA and wrestling, that's a big deal. I don't see that in jiu-jitsu as much. And I don't know if they do that in boxing. What I'm talking about is the 30-second clapper. We will do that in training. That's not just in the fight. Every single round that you do in MMA, in training, all of 30 seconds, and then you you come on and try to win it. And some gyms even have that broken down to 10. Robert Fallis was 10-second guy. When there was 10 seconds, you get in. It, if it's the last round, you throw your hands up. You're attempting to influence the judges. Attempting to, the, the last thing that they saw, right? This isn't some deep-seated psychology. I'm just sharing with you. Anderson was doing it. That's a veteran skill. He was stealing rounds. Was an awesome fight. Boom, Jake Paul puts him down, right? We're in the very last round. Jake puts him down. Now, I've got Jake up 4-3. to three going into the last round which means if anderson wins we have get a draw and quite frankly guys that doesn't always feel wrong i can't think of many times in my life i've ever cheered for a draw i would have been fine with a draw you would you guys be okay with that okay so this is what i think i'm witnessing jake puts him down now, boxing has very specific rules. In MMA, just by example, you could get knocked down three times in a round, never knock the other guy down, and win the round. In fact, I could cite for you fights where that has happened. Have you seen Dominic Cruz, Uriah favorite Part 2? And it wasn't wrong. It's objective and subjective, and what'd you do the rest of the round, and where was the control, and where was the damage? No problem. But in boxing, it's not that way. You get... You, you go whip the guy. You absolutely handle him. He puts you down one time. He wins the round. It's you, It must, it must be a 10-8 round. So I'm just sharing with you, the math started to become uh, pretty clear. Now, I did not agree with the scorecards that came in, but I don't attempt to begrudge that. They were close rounds. Even the one I thought Anderson was stealing, it was right at the end, and the judges had him having two. I only had him having three. I mean, we're, we're kind of talking about the same thing here, but I loved it. I really loved it, and if there's a takeaway, guys, here's what I fear. Not what I fear, what I can tell you is going to happen sadly, okay? While I'm telling Chris Camozzi that this is the most fun I've ever had watching a boxing match, to put that in perspective, not only the back and forth action, not only who's winning, not only the drama, not only old versus young and the storylines, it was eight rounds. When this fight was over, For the first time in my life of watching a boxing match, which I have as my second favorite sport, when this fight was over, I wanted to see another round. If I had my choice, I would have seen another round. I can't say that about another fight. I can't say that about Pacquiao versus Mayweather. I can't say that about Floyd versus Canelo. I can't say it on any fight. I've seen enough. Boxing has truly ruined itself. By going so long, and they've attempted to correct that, right? You used to be able to go 100 rounds, you could go 50 rounds, and every knockdown signified a round. Don't think you have to correct that. Great story on boxing, but then they came down to 15 rounds, and they stayed there for a meaningful period of time. They realized that's wrong. They dropped it to 12. Keep going, guys. You got the right theme. And what I'm sharing with you is, is people are so resisting the Jake Paul movement, okay? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Not everything he's doing is wrong, but that's how this is going to be perceived. When this is done, no matter how far he goes, they are going to turn the page and act as though it never happened. One thing the boxing should steal from Paul is the eight rounds. I have never in my life, there's a literal statement, not said some type of a prayer or or, or a wish to the universe while watching a boxing card during a co-main event. And that wish is the same every time. Oh, God, geez, please just make this end. One guy knocked the other guy, referee step, corner throw attack. Please get this over with. Not only because those aren't premier fights. They're not the ones that were advertised and promised. But i am also got an anticipation to the main event. But it, it is literally a true statement. Literally. I have never seen a boxing card where during the co-main event, I'm, oh, God, please just get this over with if you copied Paul, if you did eight rounds, we solved that problem. I mean, I really, really encourage it. Uriah Hall had a very fun fight that night and it was four rounds. That's extremely appropriate. I'm not going to get my way. They're going to come in. They're going to try to fix it. And you're going to leave no, no remnants of the journey or the presence of the Paul brothers. That's how this will end. And if you don't want to put him in the record books, you don't have to. And if the WBA doesn't want to recognize him, you don't have to. And if Canelo's of the world don't want to fight him, they don't have to. But he's not always wrong. And he's made the sport a lot more fun. And not just him, the character, also the rules and the approach that has come in with that. I'd like that to sink in with you. I really would. And I don't think any of you disagree And I know I'm gonna have a guy out there with an eighth grade agitation and gold teeth telling me that it needs to be 12 rounds and how much he loves it. You're lying, You're, you're lying. It's not true. I'm objective, you know how much I love wrestling. I also understand why the arenas are empty. I get it. I think you should get it too. And I think eight rounds should be the way that this sport moves forward. Moving away from boxing, into our beloved sport of MMA, UFC 281 is one of the most highly anticipated nights of 2022, and two of the top matches on the card got my attention. First, we got Poirier versus Chandler, and in a moment, I'm going to share with you what the great Henry Hoof had to say about Adesanya and Piera. Let's actually begin with Coach Hoof, because I'd like to react to it.
1: I think Israel uh, wants to set things straight. You know, Uh, he lost two fights, not Alex. Alex fighting him because he wants to have the belt. I don't think uh, Alex wants to fight him because it's easy. They already, he already won twice. I don't think that's the key. The key is for Israel in his mind. Maybe this motivates him even more. Like I said before, it's not easy to be a champion for so long and uh, with a target on your back, fight everybody that wants your title. But I think this will motivate him a little bit more to make right, you know, to show everybody that he's the better fighter. So uh, I think that will be in his head, you know? And uh, again, it's Madison Square Garden. It's a, it's a perfect place to, uh, to write history for both of these guys. Is it the, the skills, the IQ, the creativity, or is it the, the raw power and the, the killer instinct that Alex has? We'll see.
0: Alright, coach is now talking about the mental side, right? And we all know how important that is. Coach was talking about the mental side. Now he's guessing, we don't know, he's guessing that Pierre doesn't need this. He's guessing Pierre is here purely for the accomplishment of the championship, not for the opponent in Izzy. And Coach Hoof's supporting evidence to make that claim is he's already beaten Izzy. As a matter of fact, he's beaten him twice. Matter of fact, not only has he beaten him twice, he's never lost to him. That's a really interesting point. Be- because Pierre disputes it. Alex Piera completely disputes that. He says, and here's a quote by him. He says, Adesanya's gone to bed for the last four months thinking about me. I've gone to bed for the last five years thinking about him. Now, I'm interested in that comment. Tough words. Pierre. if I'm going to continue to quote him... Said the whole reason I left kickboxing is come get Adesanya. Now, that's an interesting mindset. Because Pierre has beaten him not once but twice, put him to sleep. Left the sport of kickboxing, came over, cuts massive amounts of weights. So you guys see how big he was. He wants to be at 185 pounds. He wants Adesanya. That's what he says. I don't see any reason to not believe it. But what's it do for your motivation? Hard to relate to, isn't it? See, sometimes it's real easy. You put yourself in another guy's shoe. You go, yeah, you know what, that... Happened to me three years ago, or yeah, back in the big game, and I felt the same thing. This is a weird one, man. Pierre beat him not once, but twice. Nobody was disputing this. This is something very personal between them. I realize in their minds this is a huge deal, and the whole world knows it's a trilogy. No, they don't. I realize in their minds Piera was the victor, and Adesanya went off and came a big star. Okay, that part's true. I realize that Piera is 2-0 and bumming a ride to the garden, and Izzy is sitting on about $15 million. I mean, that, that, that part is true. But now you're talking about jealousy. We all understand that emotion. I'm not talking about jealousy and or envy, the corrupt desire to protect something that you have versus the corrupt desire to have something somebody else has. I'm talking about what gets you up in the morning, how hard are you going to work for it? See, that's where the emotion comes in. And I always do appreciate that side of it. It's very important that we, the audience, figure out who has more pressure. Hard to do. Hard to do. But it's important that we do. Because whoever has the pressure is the one that will fatigue sooner. For sure, there's me get the athlete. Oh, man, I don't feel pressure. I got ice running through my veins. No, you have none of those things. You're, you're a solid actor. But maybe you do have less of it than the other guy. There will always be pressure. Let the other guy choke on it. But that's easy to say. That's easy to give a speech to kids. It's very hard to do when you're walking into the garden. I had an argument about this. The argument went like this. Hey, Chael, why are we talking about Whitaker? Why are we talking about Costa? Why are we talking about Shemaya moving to 185 pounds? If Piera beats Izzy, we will instantly do a rematch. Well, hmm. If Pierre beats Izzy, they're going to cover the spread over two sports in two different weight classes, and it's going to be 3-0 Pierre. I don't know about that. I don't know that they rematch him. I mean, in those guys' minds, that will be settled business. But those guys are so close to the trees, they don't see the fort. They don't know that we don't know that they fought. And I get that. I get that completely. I was getting ready to fight a guy named Mark Munoz, very good friend of mine. Mark Munoz had beaten me in college and my senior year. Mark won the national tournament. I think everybody knows this. I think everybody knows what a, a big moment this is for me. To redeem my college, to fix it. Nobody had any of the foggiest idea that I went to the University of Oregon. They didn't know what an Oklahoma State Cowboy was. I don't begrudge that. I don't tease you for that. What I'm saying is we got to look in depth here. This is not really something that we can relate to. I don't know if there's... A person amongst us, and I get it's just just two of us in some window sheen, that's been in this situation. You beat a guy twice and now you call him out? I don't even know if I've seen this situation. I don't even know if I've heard of this situation. And where would your motivation be? Oh, and by the way, when you talk about pressure, yeah, maybe you get an immediate rematch if you lose. That's what Ryan Parsons maintains. But maybe you don't. Maybe it is 3-0. Maybe it was spread over two sports in eight years. Maybe this book is closed. I think that should be considered. If you want to know who's got the pressure, I think you should consider that because that sounds like a lot of pressure to me. Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier. Guys, what do you want to do? I mean, you tell me. These two are going to go strap it up. These two are going to go fight. These two were number one contenders in the last calendar year. These two, through different organizations, have both held world titles. I mean, you want to talk about a co-promote. I've heard about co-promotes for years. This is as close as you're going to get. The UFC champion is going to fight the Bellator champion. You do what you want with that, but I I would like you to tell me ahead of time, in all fairness, I have seen over my illustrious time in this sport as a fan, Dana White make number one contenders matches. I've seen him just do that. But boy, they're rare. You guys generally make them. You guys generally call for them. Hey, why isn't this a number one contenders match? Hey, is this a number one contenders match? Hey, this should be the number one contenders match. You guys start it, and then that gets responded to with a yay or a nay. That is generally how it's done. And it very much appears, and I don't have a problem with it. Look, 155 pounds, this is iron on top of iron. I don't know that we have a bad name. You can put the top 10 guys on the door uh, board and throw a dart. I, I think that we would all go, okay. It appears to me because of Volkanovsky stepping up Having the face-off, having the agreement, and apparently even having a date set. It appears to me that we've taken our eye off the ball of number one contender. Now, if we've done that rightfully so, and see, I like the backup guy. I don't think there's any opportunity more in this sport than being ready for something that's not supposed to be yours. To be ready to step in. I don't think there's any opportunity. If I was a manager, if I'm managing, boy, that's what we're getting ready for. That sounds like you're winning the lottery. Boy, that lottery comes up a lot. I mean, it really does. I think that's the spot. Now, I bring that up because I know Chandler wants the title and nothing else. When I talk to Michael, Ch- I can't hear anything. I can't hear about Dustin Poirier. I can't get the questions answered that I called to at all he could talk about as a title. However, with Chandler, I've got to defend him on this, guys. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get him there. Islam Michaelchev was not the champion until a week ago. Islam Michaelchev was floating around the division with a beautiful ranking next to his name, and Michael Chandler tried to get that match because he thought that's the one that would get him to the title. So now we've tested a guy's sincerity. We've already seen what his skills are. You bring him to the media mecca of the world, and you put him in there opposite Dustin Poirier. I, I really think that should be looked at. Now, I, I feel free to push back, guys feel free to remind me about a young man named Betty Darouche. But we're either right or we're wrong. We're either right that there's no number one contender because Volkanovsky's the number one contender and we've got a period of time. I think that takes us through like March of next year, right? It takes a period of time. So now you're talking about a return realistically of June and maybe even July. You've got some time. But But if we're right about that, then we're going to have to get somebody in there to be the next number one contender. And what we generally do is we'll put them on the same card. So is this a situation where the winner of Chandler Poirier draws in to Benny? And I don't know that we have to work that out ahead of time. I personally, as a fan, like to know what's this about. I do, but it's a treat. We don't get that very often. We saw several fights over the weekend. They didn't lead to something. I mean, we, we, we saw uh, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva fight, but we don't know who's going to be next, and we don't know what it's going to be for. I personally just like that. Right? I like a number one contenders match, but I can back up from there. I like a straight up, this guy draws in. Dana did that on the Pat McAfee show. He comes out and he says, right before Chamayev is going to fight Gilbert Burns, he says the winner of this fight is going to draw into an ABC main event opposite Covington. I like that. That's a treat for me. I like to know what this is about, but I also liked it as a competitor. If I'm the competitor and I've already advanced through, I kind of get to sit back just one night, but I get to watch these two guys. And I think maybe that is a realistic scenario. I think maybe I just hit it on the head. Now, those guys can have different opinions, and those guys go, no, hey, to to hell with that. I'm I'm putting everything on being the backup fighter. I just watched it work out for Volkanovsky. I'm going to copy it and I'm going to do it. We would have to listen, but I'm sharing guys, just to remind you, you're the ones that start this. Please don't mistake that. There's a few times through history guys, this is the number one contenders fight. Oh oh, it is. Oh yeah, 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 that looks like it should be. Those guys are pretty good. that's really not the way it goes. It's a coveted division. What are these guys fighting about? I mean, this has turned into one of the most personal grudges. You do remember what it's about, don't you? You remember that Michael Chandler grabbed the microphone and burnt the house down, right? hmm Say some things into a mic, you're going to have to answer for him. You're going to piss some guys off. Oh, wait. Should I mention for He didn't say anything about Dustin Poirier. That's what the problem is. Do you guys remember this? This has turned into one of the most personal grudges to where they're doing media now, and they're having to do it from separate locations because they're getting mad. It's the first time Dustin Poirier has ever been mad. And Dustin, he's starting to upset Chandler. Within the next two weeks, I mean, this thing's going to get weird. That's a hard fight. you got a world champion versus a world champion. You want to put former in front of it, go right ahead. The former world champion versus the former world champion. Two different organizations, man, this is a big fight. What are they fighting for? That's up to you. I'm making a suggestion for you. I don't believe we can reasonably number one contender this match. I don't, because I think he got Benny sitting there but I don't think Benny can go next as long as the chips fall where they're supposed to fall because that appears to be Volkanovski. So am I right? Am I right that is sitting there and he's ready and his opponent is coming out and it's either gonna be Chandler or it's gonna be Poirier. So the UFC 282 card, was recently finalized. And unfortunately, we found out that Bo Nickel isn't going to be competing that night. But someone who is on the card is Darren Till. But as I've told you guys in the past, it might not stay that way. Darren Till versus Duplices. Now, guys, I wasn't looking to be a skunk at the garden party, but I had a very strong feeling that fight was never going to happen. As soon as I heard that fight, I thought that fight's never going to happen. Now, I documented it. I just came and told you guys that. I, figured, I, don't, I don't know. I predicted a fight would fall apart many years ago. John Jones versus Rumble Johnson. And I was doing a Reddit. And Reddit was kind of new at the time. At least new to me. And they had something on there called an AMA. Ask me anything. And they get set up by the UFC. And I'm told that it's huge. And this, this is a, a major meeting place. Of the internet. I said, hey, but chill." there's there's one rule. When you do an AMA, they can ask anything and you must answer it truthfully. Now, I don't know if that's a rule on AMA. I, I don't know if anybody abided by that but me, but I share that story with you. I remember the gal, Jen Wink, when she told me that, and I remember going, okay, that's the deal. If I agree to do this and I get the attention that apparently it can bring because I was told it was a big, this is my obligation, and I honored it. And at any rate while I was sitting there and doing it, Jones versus Rumble got announced. And so they asked me right away, what do you think of this? And I answered the question honestly, which was, I don't think it will happen. I apologize. I I, I did not hedge. I said, Rumble versus Jones won't happen. Now, it was a gut feeling, but, but I've never had that feeling since Until I saw Till versus Duplices. Now, I could go into that for a number of reasons as to why I feel that. But Till has come out today, and I guess it's an injury. I I guess. I I don't know what to make of it. His eye is red. Now, it's not bleeding, it doesn't have stitches. It's not shut. His eye is red. And it looked like he'd been poked in it, if I were to guess. And he took the picture, and he released the picture on the internet. Why? I don't want to be a dick about this. By the way, I find the skills of Darren Till to be world champion caliber. I do not believe he's got a deficit on the ground either. Much like, and I could compare him to Shabazian, he has a pro. He has one position, and a lot of us do. And you try to avoid the position. And you could get him in the gym and show him how to just avoid that position. I'm just sharing with you. I think Darren Till is world champion quality. And when I see Darren Till in the gym, so now there's no pressure. There's no lights. There's no cameras. I see one of the best fighters in the division. That's truly what I see. Who, by the way, has covered the spread of two of it. Really special fighter, right? But I, but I do believe mentally, things change for him on fight night. Now I'm just breaking down. Why would you release that photo? Okay, when you when you go to Twitter to tell a story, you got 160 characters or less. But you guys know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. So we posted a picture. What thousand words was he attempting to tell us? Is it a recent photo? I mean, let's start with that. How accurate of information are we getting in the story that's attempting to be told? I know guys who have taken old photos and posted, and they got like a little pop on the media. Oh my god, what's going on? Is this fight off? And then they come in days later like, oh god, I had no idea you would think that. That's just an old photo and I thought I'd post. Right? They knew what they were doing. They were trolling. It was low-hanging fruit. They're not great promoters. They did something. I know guys that have done that, but those guys were main events. This is a fight on the card. That fight happens. That fight doesn't happen. What difference does it make? I, in fairness... Rude. Very rude by I me. Mean, what difference does it make? And if I'm attempting to break a guy down, not for his physical attributes, but before uh, because of his psychology, if I'm attempting to do that, I'm going to look at something like this, and I'm going to go, what kind of arrogance are we dealing with here? Do you think for the four or five people that see that and, and think that somehow that is fight ending for a fight that's two weeks away, so what story are you telling? Perhaps it has nothing to do with the fight. Perhaps I'm completely wrong. But don't be mad at me for interpreting it. It was left for interpretation. Perhaps I am completely wrong. Had nothing to do with it and just wanted the world to know that he can't block a punch. I don't know. What? Is there a good side to this? Like, seeing that, was there a good side to this? Is there, like, a market out there for a fighter with a black eye that I don't know about? I'm open to it. Or is the groundwork of a story being told being laid? Why would you post the picture? What story are you trying to tell? And I've seen guys do this. I I mean, in all fairness, I have seen a lot of guys miss fights and so have you. And then all of a sudden, like an x-ray appears. Do you know how weird that is? I mean, I I, I just share that with you. If I ever pull out of a fight, which I've been competing since I was nine years old, I have never pulled out of a competition. Never. I'm very proud of that. That's why I mentioned that for I'm very proud of that. But if I did, If I had to miss because I got X, Y, or Z, it's never even going to cross my mind that you don't believe me. Truly, if I told you guys I've separated my shoulder, it would never cross my mind to have a note from a doctor and produce it for you. To provide an MRI. I mean, it wouldn't even enter my head. Old police trick. You got a few suspects. You don't know who did it, but you got these three guys, and they were leaving the crime scene. They got identified. You just go grab all three of them. Bring them in for questioning. Whichever guy offers his alibi before he's asked for it, before they say, "Where were you at eight p.m.?" and he gets in the question room and goes, "Hey, guy, I was I was at a movie theater, and I I I, I went alone. I don't have the ticket stub, but uh, it was down there on." 4th Street, got your guy. I would never think to show you or to back up a claim that I made about a personal injury with proof. But I see guys do it. And they're not wrong. And sometimes it's really interesting. And sometimes doctor or will take a look at it and kind of tell them what they can expect. But well, where would that come from if somebody didn't ask? And by the way, if it's my Twitter feed and I'm telling you guys and you guys are challenging me, what are you following me for? I mean, if you're questioning me, what are you following me for? If you can't even trust a guy, I just wonder what story was being told. Hey guys, look at me. I get hit. I watched this guy go on a dating show and somehow he thought this was cute. Now, I was only a little kid. I'm eight, nine, ten years old. I don't know the ways of the world, but this guy goes on a dating show and he talks about martial arts and he's trying to get the girl and he's telling the story about martial arts and the host says, and and, and I'm told that you did a karate match uh, against a girl. Oh, can can you tell me about that? And he somehow thinks it's charming. He was a handsome guy, and he said it with like a boyish smile, and wearing a tank top, kind of had some muscle. And he said, actually, I lost. I I have not the foggiest idea as a nine-year-old boy that didn't know anything about the world. I don't have the foggiest idea to this day why he thought that would be a cool thing to go and say on TV to the world. What cuteness that was going to do. I, I I just don't know. And when it was time to pick who they wanted to the date, the girl that spoke on him said, no, she's like, I'd like to feel safe. I can't go out with a guy that gets beat up by girls. I like to feel safe when I go out. I just thought it was a fair point. I have remembered it. So I'm only sharing for you, right? If I get my ass kicked, I keep that to myself. If I'm looking to tell a story to you about getting my ass kicked, why am I doing that? And if I'm just trolling you just to dangle the fact that maybe I won't show up because I got poked in the eye, you're not the main event, man. It doesn't make any difference. It it doesn't matter. So at what point are we separated from our reality? That's a tough thing for a fighter. I'll tell you what. Really hard thing. They get some shine. They get some spotlight. They disappear for two years. They pop back in. They think people are going to know. They don't. It's a reality, but really think about that, right? Like, what if you had a magic wand? You were the most famous guy in the sport, and you had a magic, would you keep that power for five years after you left the sport, or would you hope to pass it to somebody else? Somebody passed it to you, on your way out the door, you pass it to someone else, and that bitch had better do the same thing, and it's called an industry, and it's called a brotherhood, and it's the right thing to do. Now, the good news is they don't have a magic wand and they don't get to choose. You guys do. And if you're not on camera often doing well, you're out of the club. I mean, right, this is the way it works. Some guys don't understand that. It's a very peculiar concept. Why did he send out the photo? Who punched him in the eye? Why wasn't he wearing headgear? What story is he trying to tell? There's not a commission in the world that'll stop a fight because you got a red eye, I'm just sharing with you. I wake up some mornings with red eye, I'm just sharing with you. What is it we're trying to tell? I'm not good at ducking, I got partners that go too hard, look at my eye, see you soon. I'm open to being wrong, but I'm I'm asking. Picture is worth a thousand words, here's the picture, you're open to interpret it, how are you interpreting it? heard the expression, it's a really silly expression, but it goes something along the lines of, don't let your mouth write a check that your ass can't cash. You guys ever heard that? Like the first time that anybody said that, that was a really good line. I mean, mean, like a guy was talking, talking more, he's talking himself into something. And then the other guy, if he gets what he asked for, this guy's going to beat him up. I mean, I think that you guys understand the expression, but it's not always true. It's not always true. There are times when you have free reign. Like there's guys who will talk about. This is man code, and this is code of this, and this is locker room talk versus this is on the streets, and this is how we do it in my neighborhood. There's guys that will talk like that. But there is a time when you have free reign to run your mouth all that you want. They're few and they're far between, guys. What would you do if you were in John Jones' spot? Now, here's the pieces. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna have the more talent than anybody in a sport. You're going to have some money. So now you can train anywhere you want. You can bring in any coaches, fly anywhere that you want to go. You're going to be in a really unique situation like that. Oh, and by the way, I should mention Dana White, the decision maker, has told you and the world that when you come back, it'll be for a title. Very important that you know that's added. Because when I talk about at times you have free reign, When it is established that you will be fighting for a belt, you now have free reign to go after other guys. You have an absolute pass. The onus is now on them to make sure that they're opposite you when you're fighting for the belt. I have been dumbstruck that in three years, John Jones hasn't created a storyline. When John Jones left three years ago, the big hope that we all had was that it would be Jones versus Zingano. Just reminding you, just of the time frame, but if you back up to Jones saying, I'm going to go to heavyweight, that was, that was the hope that we had. Here we are three years later, we still have that hope that it will be Jones versus Ngannou. Like, nothing has changed in three years. Now, that's John's business. I'm not actually over here to slap him. I'm sharing with you that that's a surprise to me. However, if you're in John's spot, now John has the ability, right? When I tell you in three years, he's never created a fight for himself. For three years, he hasn't even added fire to a fight that was already created for him. He's done nothing to get public interest. He's done absolutely nothing, but imagine what he could have done and imagine the spot that he would be in. He could be lobbing grenades at Surreal Gone. He could be lobbing them at Curtis Blades. He could be throwing them at Tom Aspinall. I mean, right, there'd be no direction that John couldn't go because he's already spoken for. A higher hand, that of Dana White, has already penciled him in to a title shot. I had a guy. I won't credit the guy by saying his name, but he and I's careers were going to cross. And both of our careers were going to be different if it did cross. Whether it was good for me, it was good for him, but we were going to fight. He wouldn't say my name until I had a contract to fight somebody else. The moment I had a contract to fight somebody else, oh, this guy would come after me. He would come after me. Now, I got a contract to fight somebody else, and I go after that guy nonstop, right? I took the bait. Every time I took the bait, but he was protected. I had business with somebody else, and I only bring that example for you, not to insert myself, to show you the spot that John's in. Three years ago, if we could make any fight for John Jones as soon as he dangled heavyweight for us, if we could make any fight, my goodness, it would have been John versus Francis. Here we are three years later, and if there's any fight, by golly, we could, it would be John versus we're in the exact same spot, and what would you do if you had the power of the pin there, okay, now you're not playing checkers, you're playing chess. What's the difference? It means you're not an event planner, an event planner does one night. If you plan a wedding, you're an event planner. At least in theory and within the guise of morality, that's going to be a one-time thing. Don't think you have to correct me on the stats in this country. This is supposed to be a one-time thing. You don't plan a wedding and tell, well, here's what we're going to do with this one, but for your next one, we're going to change the theme. It's on one night. That's an event planner. A promoter has succession. That's the difference. When I use the example of chess versus checkers, one is one move, the other is multiple moves. So if you're making multiple noobs and it's your pie and you're going to cut it up, what are you going to do with Jones? Because you have two big fights for him. He's not going to help you. He's had three years he has not helped to add to that. So you know one time you got a big deal and you're going to have to pay through the nose, but you also know on the next fight it's going to be a lot less. Less people are coming, less media is going to be behind. It's going to be a lesser fight. In which order do you do them? This is what I'm confronting you with. What's the answer? What is the textbook answer? We see the strings, we know you're going to pull them. If they're your strings and you get to maneuver them, what do you do? Do you put Jones in there with Stipe, which is a really big fight? Really big fight. It's just not as big as Jones versus Francis. You have Stipe versus Angano. True trilogy. Stipe puts on 20 pounds. I mean, give guys like me three, four weeks to tell the story and really talk about. You got a big fight. It's very tough to go in this order. It's very tough to go to Z and come back to W and then think you're going to return to X. Does that make sense? I mean, sometimes when the great genius that is me starts talking, I know that I lose many of you, but I want you to put yourself in this scenario. Is it best to build two? Is it best to do the Stepe Jones as a way of building two? Or is it best to start with the hottest hand that you have? That's the theory that I subscribe to. Now, not all promoters and all people would agree with me. I believe you make the matches that you can make when you can make them. I believe whatever problems you have, whatever contract disputes, whatever financial, whatever personal disputes, get the fight in the ring. Chael Sonnen promoting 101, get the fight in the ring. Get those two in the ring, shut the door, and then we'll figure everything else out. That's what I think. But that can prove to be a sucker's move. I'm just seeing what side do you fall on it. Should we go right to Jones versus Angano? Now we're going to have a very hard time, right? Because don't forget this whole thing was about a negotiation. and We've kind of been left off on that. We were brought along the journey for about five, six, seven months. But that's now been years ago. I can't fully remember it any better than you guys can. But the whole thing was over contractual dispute. Now, if you're the one that's, it's your pie, you got to decide how you cut it up, you have a real problem on your hands, which is one I'd really love to have this guy back because I have this one mega thing, but I don't have any other mega things for him. Some bitch has had three years and he has not changed that. In three more years, he's a distant memory from this sport. So if I have no reasonable expectation that he can help correct something, I can't sign on the line. I can incentivize you on the back end. It's the only way I can do this and be responsible. I can't make it a guarantee up front, not on a fight that I'm going to build for seven weeks. You've had three years and shown me you don't know how to build one. So I'm, I'm all by myself here. And I got a couple of players, but I can't guarantee it up front. Because one hand is hotter than the other. So what do you do? If it's your decision to make, what do you do? Do you start him red hot? Do you follow Chael with make the fight you can make when you can make it? Do you follow that or do you build to it? So there's two different ways to build. Right, Francis is coming off of an injury too. Francis off an injury, Stipe off a layoff. The story wipes themselves out. Francis is bigger, but Stipe's bigger than he was prior to that. right? I mean, that story works. We're going to need a little bit of time to tell it. Those of you that stayed with me already see it, but they're still different fights. And we still have a round robin, and we have a whole roster of heavyweights who are willing to play along, who are not going to rock the boat, who are going to let these three play over in their loft. No matter how long it takes to get them to the cage, these three get to play together. So in what order do you do it? Take the absolute biggest fight you can make when you can to get it. Do you do that? Do you take the lower fight and do that first and get a good night of business, presuming that you know the outcome? Because if you reverse the order of your perceived outcome, now this mega fight doesn't exist at all. What do you do? It's a very peculiar spot. Three years ago, we wanted to see Francis versus John. Three years later, we want to see Francis versus John. We've done nothing wrong. We did our part. Three years to tell a story, only told one. So what do you do? Where are you gonna place him? You can't guarantee it on an escalation. Not when you know full well, I've only got one thing for you to do and of the two possibilities, they're not equal. I can't escalate you. I have to reward you on the back end of which you've had three years and you haven't helped yourself. What do you do? What fight do you make? What order do you make it in? Alright guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want more stuff from me, you can subscribe to my YouTube page. Plus, I got some ideas planned for our next show, which is going to be on Friday. Stick around for that one, or should I say, come back. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.